get ready to go. The State of Combat podcast is back in your ear hole. Back with a bonus pro wrestling edition. Back during WrestleMania 35 week. Wow. Underwritten, supported, sponsored, of course, by that performance enhancing audio. What are we doing in this special bonus edition? Getting you fired up for Friday night's NXT TakeOver New York card. The yellow and black brand is back. Barclay Center, Brooklyn, 7 p.m. Eastern this Friday on the WWE Network. Pulling no punches, fellas and ladies out there. You know, 2018 NXT, very arguably the best promotion going in wrestling. These takeovers have become, wow, a must-see, can't-miss, absolute hot-fire tradition this year on paper. Woo! Could be fantastic again. Could be the best ever, some people are saying already. We'll see how it plays out. What do we have for you today? Detailed preview with myself and the Silver King, of course. Hey, we've also got can't-miss, top-notch, top-shelf, above, actually above the top shelf. There's usually that level one higher where they keep the secret liquor behind the cupboard. That's the kind of interviews we got for you today as Adam Cole Bebe stops by to get you fired up for his main event, the vacant NXT championship bout against Johnny Takeover Gargano. If that wasn't enough, we got the patriarch himself, Paul Triple H Levesque, sliding in these DMs. Not only to talk TakeOver, we're going above and beyond. We're talking about DX's legacy. We're talking about uh, the women main eventing WrestleMania. We're talking about a lot of good stuff that you're not going to want to miss. You know this week you got to keep your ear close to the uh, the speaker, if you will, when it comes to the state of combat on CBS Sports because we're coming hot, hard, and heavy for WrestleMania week. A lot of pre-interview, pre-preview post-analysis editions coming your way, so stay tuned and spread that love forward with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever, wherever, folks, you download Hot Fire Audio today. Where you listen to it and how you listen to it is your choice, but what you do afterwards is now a guarantee. You want to see your name engraved in stone up on the State of Combat Mountain? Spread the love forward. All right, I can already see this guy's antsy. Let me welcome in my co-host. Say hello to the bad guy. Oh, yeah, live and direct from the Big Apple Manhattan. He's the Silver King. He never hedged. It's Adam Silverstein. Hey, now, you know, we have a lot to get to today, BC. I'm not going to give you my whole intro because you took up my time. I just want to get to talking about NXT. I want to get to talking about Adam Cole. And I want to get to talking about Triple H, the WWE vice president of what is it? Live events, talent, creative. What's his title? He's like COO on screen. But the real title, there's like 17 names. It's like, yeah, yeah. it's like that that Fiona Apple uh, album title that time. The second one where everybody's like, what? You can't have a 36 word album title. All right. Just just call it chapter two. Call volume two. Jay-Z, whatever you got to do. Uh, Adam, how real quick here. How was the New York vacation? The people I think the people want to know. I think the people were trying to trying to make a beeline to your organs, potentially. Yeah, I, I, there was some of that attempt. Uh, the vacation was great. You know, I literally got to do 
almost everything I wanted to, which in New York, you know, in a six day period of time is very difficult. Silver King has never walked this much in a six day period of time in his life. You're you're talking 15,000 steps a day. So I think that negated all the Italian food and fresh pasta, hot dogs and bagels and pizza that I was able to eat and consume. Um, But this is great, man. You know, city that never sleeps. It's true. Uh, And, you know, I went ahead and uh, went to a Yankee game on Sunday and sat there for about Three and a half hours as it almost got postponed uh, and ended up seeing the Yankees lose, which was not ideal. But aside from that low point, um, the city's great. I get it. I understand why people love this place so much. And I am excited to spend another week here primarily covering WrestleMania 35. Oh, heck yeah. Please check, check out cbssports.com slash WWE for all your Mania, NXT, G1 Supercard preview content and more. And like we said, keep listening to this show. Adam, before we preview this card, this fire five match loaded, simplistic and brilliant NXT TakeOver New York card. I think we should throw it right to Adam Cole, baby, and get to the down and dirty of how this main event came together in how this rising star is ready for what he thinks is his moment. Storyline or not, we're going to find out. This guy cuts through the kayfabe and gives you the goods. Here we go. It's Adam Cole time. Enjoy. Adam Cole, baby, back on the podcast, back in action, my friend. NXT TakeOver New York, Friday, April 5th. Hey, Adam Cole, not a bad backup plan for NXT fans for me as a fan, how about for you getting this call to face Johnny Gargano for the vacant NXT championship? Uh, man, this is huge for me. So uh, like pretty much since I started in NXT, my goal obviously has been to become the NXT champion. When I, when I debuted, it was in the Barclay Center. It was that takeover Brooklyn. I held the NXT championship high above my head. And since that moment, I've said that someday, I'm going to become NXT champion. And as far as I'm concerned, that moment is now with TakeOver New York on the horizon. Oh, so close. This is everything I've worked for in, in the almost two years I've been with NXT. I'm ready to rock and roll, man. Ready oh, to go. yeah. Now, now, now tell me how, how in real life, how does this happen? We know Tommaso Ciampa unfortunately got hurt. And I say unfortunate sure. for him and unfortunate for us because they were, they, were, they were in the midst of telling maybe the greatest story ever told since the Mega Powers. But life goes on. Business goes on. The show must go on. How do you find out about this? How damn fired up are you in that moment? Is it a pinch yourself moment? What's it like? Yeah, I mean, of course I'm fired up. And uh, the coolest thing to me about being in this situation, I'm thankful that it's me. But but the NXT roster is so stacked and so full, of course, in a perfect world. People thought, you know, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, that would be the storybook ending. That would be the storybook moment. But in our situation, you have guys like myself, you have guys like Velveteen Dream, guys like Matt Riddle. The, the NXT roster is so stacked right now. So I happen to be the guy who, who is the best for the position, the best for the spot, would be myself and Johnny Gargano. But I was I was so excited, so amped up. This is the biggest takeover in the history of takeovers. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't be more fired up than I am right now. All right, let's talk your history with Johnny Gargano. This will not be the first time you've been on the other side of the ring. A a strong, independent history. How would you describe it for anyone that's never seen the two of you in the ring together? Yeah, uh, me and Johnny have kind of, in some capacity, been rivals our whole careers. Uh, Lots of times, especially on the independence, we were compared to each other. 
Uh, we oftentimes were working for different companies, but then for a certain company, we would end up, uh, you know, facing each other. We've had some really, really competitive, good back and forth, exciting, entertaining pro wrestling matches together. I, I would even go as far as to say that Johnny may be a guy that I have uh, the most chemistry with. He, he's just someone who is, he's incredibly talented, no doubt. And, uh, and, and me and him bring out the best in each other. So as far as being on this stage, our, our biggest stage for our biggest match, to be able to do a takeover and get, get the entire world to kind of see us go toe-to-toe and, and face off, it's going to be cool. It's going to be special because uh, the other ones we had in the past were special, but this one it doesn't get any more special than this. You know, I love that, the, the chemistry. You mentioned the great chemistry between the two of you. Yeah. I mean, hey, 32 years ago today, Savage Steamboat, WrestleMania three. I think if you look mm-hmm. in the dif- definition of wrestling chemistry, you see those two. Can you put it Absolutely. in layman's terms? What does it mean when you're in there with somebody that just fits so well into what you do? So there, there's so many factors that go, that go into what what is described as good chemistry with somebody. Uh, but to me, the most important thing, and I kind of briefly touched on this, was that Johnny brings out something in me that not many people can. Uh, uh, my my uh, intensity, uh, my attitude, uh, uh, the sequence of things that happen in that ring where it's almost like an untouchable, undescribable thing that happens where you're just clicking on all cylinders, the stars are aligned, everything is just flowing and meshing as perfectly as possible. Uh, and Johnny Gargano is a guy who brings that out in me, and I'd like to think I do the exact same for him. So, again, so many factors, but without question, the, the most positive result of all of it is, is the match that you end up getting. Now, he is, uh, I mean, he's Johnny Takeover, so no one has to look back over his resume the past year and a half with NXT. You made, you made an interesting call. You said this could be the biggest Takeover card of all time. I mean, it Absolutely. really could. The quality of these five matches is insane. So when it's time for you and Johnny to go make that magic happen, what do you feel in pressure, uh, good pressure, bad pressure, to know that this can't be a regular Wednesday night match. This can't even be a regular takeover match. This is takeover mania. This is New York city. How do you take that to the next level? Man, I'm so glad that you touched on that because that sometimes is, is an unspoken thing. Uh, you're 100% right. There is, there is so much pressure that goes into being the main event of a takeover card in general, let alone one that is stacked as this one is. And it's WrestleMania weekend. So the insane amount of pressure that myself and Johnny have is, is actually insane, but it's good pressure um, because the, the thing that I'm most proud of with NXT is those cards top to bottom, they deliver every single time there's a takeover event match one, two, three, four, five, whatever they all deliver each and every one of them. So me and Johnny are going to go into that main event knowing that we just saw Four absolutely incredible matches. The audience just saw four absolutely unbelievable matches. And it's our job to make sure that they leave talking about ours. And I think it's something that that I'm very confident that we'll be able to do. And I'm more than ready to do. But, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tons of pressure. Tons of pressure. (laughs) I love that. I love that. You're swimming in the pressure pool. You're like, it's tons of pressure, but I'm diving right in. I'm ready for it. Now, let's talk NXT. (laughs) This is a very honest conversation here, Adam Cole. We can be honest with each other and the listeners. In 2018, NXT was the best promotion in all of wrestling. That's, I mean, you guys put out, I never thought you could beat 
2015 NXT, meaning, meaning you know, WWE as a company. In the 2018, it was the combination of the talent, the, the stories, the feeling. Man, that feeling being in the arena for those big shows is special. How do you describe that secret sauce? Why is NXT different from any other company going right now? So there's this really cool untapped thing that happened with what you kind of briefly touched on, and that is the, the relationship between the wrestlers and the fans in that building. I think one of the coolest things in the world is lots of times we'll go to these takeover events anywhere they are in the country, or now it's like TakeOver UK, TakeOver's over there too. Um, these fans are, and I know this sounds cliche, but it's true. These fans are the most passionate wrestling fans on the planet. And you can't, that's not just something that's said. You can feel it in the building. When, when any one of us come down to the ring, we know that the attachment that we have with them and they have with us is something that, that is priceless. Uh, I mean, lots of, for a lot of examples, a lot of these fans have been following a lot of these guys their entire careers and watched your journey from wrestling small independent shows to getting to this point. And a lot of times there's brand new fans who are checking you out for the first time. But the thing that is consistent is these NXT fans, when they go there, they're going there to have a great time and watch a great show. And they're there to make as much noise as possible to let the wrestlers know, hey, we're excited. We want you guys to knock it out of the park. And when they act that way, we have no choice but to bring our absolute best, to bring 110%. The, the relationship is, is so awesome because th those fans are, are just as much a part of the show as the wrestlers are. Lots of times when people leave or, or they're done watching a takeover on the WWE Network or they're there live, they talk about how awesome and special and cool it was and how awesome the environment was. Yeah, we're doing our job of giving you the best matches that we possibly can, but those fans are doing their job too, and they're making a whole boatload of noise. So it, it's awesome. It's, it's a really cool connection I think we have with, with the NXT audience. And look, the way the system is, NXT development territory to to, lar to large degrees, but this, the way the system's set up is eventually you graduate. And I'm not trying to hold Adam Cole back from his dreams of being in the main event of WrestleMania, of being in there in front of 75, 80,000 people. If that's where you're going and you're headed, then go there, brother. But I think there's something so special with NXT, Adam Cole, that it can be its own thing on par with Raw and SmackDown, that the universes could collide, that it doesn't need to be the equivalent of AAA or college basketball. Where do you think NXT could be in 5, 10 years because of that special bond between the fans and the performers that you mentioned? No, my God, the, the sky's the limit. Uh, you know, like I had briefly mentioned earlier when we were talking about how it's been about two years for me uh, since I've joined the NXT roster. And even the growth from then has been unbelievable. And this brand, and I'm going to call it a brand, continues to grow and grow and grow and grow. And we're getting more and more people checking out NXT TV, checking out the TakeOver events. I, I truly believe there's a really special thing that's happening specifically to the NXT brand, where the more people who watch it, the more people who lay their eyes on it, they walk away and going, I'm going to continue to watch that and support that because I love that. And, and, and as long as that continues to happen, this brand is going to continue to grow more and more. I mean, really, the sky is the limit where NXT could go. It's just a, it's a very cool thing to be a part of now, watching NXT rise the way it has. It's hotter than it's ever been. And honestly, I'm just glad I'm a part of it right now. It's really cool. All right. If I'm looking at Adam Cole as a wrestler and I'm scouting him, somebody says, hey, you're, you're a big fan. What does Adam Cole do? I think your best skill, your best attribute 
is acting and looking the part of a cool badass. And that's kind of a weird <laughs> thing. I mean, you can wrestle, you can talk, you can do a lot of things, but I guess that's swagger. There's something to that. How do you make being so cool so easy and so natural? Uh, I'll tell you what. I My favorite movie series uh, when I was younger, I grew up, I loved watching James Bond films. And <laughs> the reason I loved James Bond films so much was the James Bond villains. I always thought James Bond villains were so cool, so calm, so collected. They had a swagger to them. I was, I was just fascinated by them. And then obviously growing up being such a huge wrestling fan and watching all these guys carry themselves and look as cool as they did, that, that just comes from me growing up and, and watching a lot of people who I thought were really cool and wanting to kind of implement that in who Adam Cole is as a performer. But the, the truth is, when I walk through that curtain and when I leave through that curtain, I'm 100% Adam Cole. I, I feel it. I believe it. Uh, and, and there's no one who's going to knock me out of that zone. So uh, I, I appreciate the compliment very much. But I, <laughs> I think a lot of that comes from just studying some of the greats and, and watching them and how they carry themselves. So when you when you step out of that curtain and you become Austin Jenkins again, are you still that cool, or is it is there is there a drop off there? I mean, don't don't no, let us down. I, here. I, 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 I really wish that I, that I didn't have to talk about this, but I'm incredibly lame, laid back, boring. <laughs> uh, yeah, none of the above. Adam Cole is very different. Editors, very, very edit fun. out that last bit of sound. We, the people do not need to hear that. Let's keep the dream alive there. All right, what is also cool is what you guys are doing with Undisputed Era. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, in the same manner that I'm saying some of these NXT guys I love, I don't ever want to see them go to high school, Billy, and go to the main roster. I don't know if I ever want to see Undisputed Era break up. I love the feel. I love the look. Uh, it's the same thing when I interview the New Day guys. I go, I don't know. Right. I, th- I think you could retire as the New Day. Could the Undisputed Era be a thing that's a thing for a long time? I, I certainly, certainly hope so. If it, if it were up to me, I'd be with Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish for the rest of my career. Um, I love the Undisputed Era. I love the group. I love the, the group that it's turned into. The, the chemistry that I have with those three guys um, is just unparalleled. I mean, these guys I'm close personal friends with, even outside of wrestling. We, we literally, we talk every single day. I, I was in Kyle O'Reilly's wedding. Uh, I was at Roderick Strong's wedding. I, I mean, these are guys that I travel up and down the road with and, and talk wrestling 24-7. I mean, even if even if the Undisputed Era didn't exist, it would exist outside of wrestling because the, the four of us really are that tight. So to, to me, it's just awesome that it ended up working out where the four of us are a faction and are a unit. And I think that's a big reason that it that it clicks and gels so well because that, that connection between the four of us is incredibly real and incredibly genuine. Um, and, and I think that translates and that's why the fans have kind of taken to it so much. But yeah, if it were up to me, it'd be undisputed error for life, no doubt. Hey, you used a key word in there, Adam Cole. You said it just clicks. The click. Hey, the click was a four or five guys that uh, went up and down the road together and talked business all the time and made a lot of great things happen in the world. We kind of clicked 2.0 here? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I definitely think there's some uh, resemblance between the undisputed era and the click. I could see that comparison. I could see that. All right. All right. Who's the who's the shooter of this group? If stuff goes down in the alleyway, who's coming out alive? I'm telling you from appearance, I'm picking Kyle O'Reilly. I'll tell you, you know what? It, it, to me, it's a toss-up between Kyle O'Reilly and Roger Strong. Uh, both of those guys are, 
they're bad news. So, uh, but we could probably have to see Kyle and, and Ronnie go at it, but I don't want them to fight each other because we're all big, happy family. But those two, those two guys are the tough guys of the group. Just leave me and Bobby out of it. Love it. I love it. The, the, yeah, but lovers, not fighters there. Uh, look, tell me some wrestling etiquette here. Is it lame to wear your own merch in real life? Yeah, to the ring, but in real life, would you be caught wearing an Undisputed Era t-shirt at Walmart at 2 a.m.? In real life, it's pretty lame, in my opinion. You know, you're not going to see me walking around in an Adam Cole or Undisputed Era t-shirt, even though the Undisputed Era t-shirts are so freaking cool. But but no no I you probably wouldn't see me at Walmart at two a.m. wearing a undisputed era shirt. <laughs> All right, uh, you're 29 years old at the top of your game, uh, headlining NXT Takeover New York during Mania weekend. There's still a lot more for you to accomplish. But look, this is a great time to be alive. How are you still improving though, day to day as a sports entertainer? Yeah, so I've kind of had this outlook since um, since I first started where. The, pretty much the first six months of my career, I was obsessing on the like this final destination of, oh my God, I need to win the WWE Championship at WrestleMania, and that's my goal. And it's so overwhelming when your goals are, are so out there, so far away at the time. So for me, and I've implemented this you know, pretty much since I was 19, is I, I literally take everything day by day. So I find one little thing that I feel like I can improve on, or, or one little thing that I want to focus on making better. And I do that. And I'm like that with every single aspect of the game. So if it's, if it's something in ring that I would like to improve upon, I, I'll, I'll try and focus and work on that for the week. If it's uh, something promo specific, I'll think about that, study it, watch it, watch other people. Uh, pretty much anything and everything. I'm, I'm 100% my own worst critic, as it should be. And, and I try to find, like I said, any little area that I can make better improve upon. Uh, the, the coolest thing about this job, I think, and I know a lot of the, the best of all time would say the same thing. There's no such thing as being perfect at pro wrestling. It's, it's this never-ending never change. It's constantly going on. You as a character and as a performer is constantly changing. So it really always keeps you on your toes because there's always little things you can pick up and improve on or change or, or whatever it is that you want to do. So, um, yeah, I'll be learning and, and trying to get better until the day I retire. Yeah, I like that. I like that attitude a lot, for sure. Uh, is there anybody that's caught on to this business faster than the Velveteen Dream? You had a fantastic takeover match against him. I want to see more. I want to see a full feud. I want to see it all. Uh, last time I checked, that guy's real young. I mean, I feel like that guy could go to Mania tomorrow and main event it with you, and nobody would blink an eye. Yeah, he's unbelievable. It, it, um, it, it Seriously, when I sit back and think about it, it blows my mind how much he gets and understands this job for his age. Um, he's an incredibly hard worker. Uh, he has a, a very charismatic persona, obviously. Uh, and it's crazy, the things that he's done and the things he's accomplished at the age that he has. Uh, he's like a prodigy, seriously. But, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll go as far as he chooses to uh, in wrestling. That's, that's no question. All right. Uh, do, you, uh, do you dream about certain moments still that you haven't accomplished do you wake up in the middle of the night and imagine what the crowd will be like your main roster debut your wrestlemania debut is this is it still real to you damn it adam cole absolutely <laughs> no but uh seriously yeah yeah i, I for sure envision uh goals of mine or situations that i could be put in um i, I think anybody who, who says they don't 
uh, is kidding themselves and lying. Uh, because and especially to, I, I love this so much. Uh, it literally is my life. I know you'll hear a lot of guys say that. That's true for all of us. But, you know, naturally you're going to imagine certain situations that you're in. Like you said, that, that uh, main roster debut or that WrestleMania moment or whatever. I mean, I, I'm visualizing and imagining, imagining uh, the, the Barclays Center um, uh, coming up here soon. So I, I'm constantly thinking about uh, moments that I have coming up and uh, hoping they go a certain way or wondering how they're going to go. Uh, but that's just because I care about this so much. And it's always on my mind. Wrestling is, is always on my mind. Yeah, it certainly shows in your work. Fans love to hear that stuff. And it showed during last year's Mania Takeover match. Good Lord, that ladder match that you came out <laughs> on top of for the North American Championship. Uh I'm going to say of anything I've been in the arena for, I cover boxing, mixed martial arts, and pro wrestling. I, I mean, Adam, that might be, you know, number two, number three of just environments, of entertainment, of best quality of matches. I mean, I've been at Mayweather Pacquiao. I've been around the globe like you have. Something special happened in, during that match. Take us back there. What do you remember most when you're when you're going up and down the road with these guys and you look back and you talk about that match? What do you say? Yeah, that was um, that was just such an unbelievable night for for so many reasons. Um, but but I remember again when you when you have six guys in the ring and then you throw ladders into the mix. There's a lot that can go wrong. A lot of things can can go wrong or something can go bad. You got a lot of uh, uh, situations there where people could get into trouble, but luckily for us, I mean that was again a night where everything was just clicking, everything was kicking on all cylinders. Uh, and, and on top of that, we had a WrestleMania weekend crowd uh, making as much noise as possible. Uh, I mean, the, to me, that's one of my favorite moments of my entire career. I remember climbing up and when I, when I pulled the championship down. And I'm screaming, and, and the camera has a shot of my face. That was a very, very real, genuine just burst of emotion uh, because of how, how well that had gone and having, having a fan base that was that amped and excited for it. My, my family was there. My girlfriend was there. It was, it was such a cool moment for me and one that I'll, I'll definitely cherish for the rest of my life. That was, that was a wild match. I think I, I think I will too. My good friend Moronello says the same thing. He was gifted enough to call that match and, and and add his voice to it. What a night! What a match! Hey, I think we're gonna see that again Friday, April fifth. This time it's the Barclays Center NXT Takeover New York. You and Johnny Takeover himself, Johnny Gargano for the vacant NXT Championship. Uh, no pressure, Adam, but go out there and I don't know, fifteen star match, whatever you got in you. I, I can't wait to see this thing. Hey, you got it, my man. We'll do. All right, special thanks to Adam Cole. Hey, Adam Silverstein, is Adam Cole potential to join the all-Adam SOC faction with the likes of Adam X. Parsons, Adam Crawley, some other weird Adams that have reached out to us? Well, he has one of those, you know, reserve signs that's folded up on the table just waiting for him. So anytime he decides to step into the zone, he's more than welcome. Uh, you know, this is the second time that we've spoken to Adam Cole. I really should say the second time that you've spoken to Adam Cole because I wasn't on this one. Uh, but we met with him last year at Media Day ahead of WrestleMania 34. He was awesome. He kind of got into, you know, where Bay Bay came from, where the boom came from. And and this, I loved this interview with him because he actually got into what goes on in his mind about preparing for a wrestling match and why he works so well with Johnny Gargano. And what's really interesting about this, and you look at that fatal five-way they had on NXT, and you saw the five people in that match. 
and you knew who was going to win, right? Because you knew Aleister Black and Ricochet were doing this tag team thing on Raw or, you know, elsewhere on NXT. And you knew that they were going with Velveteen Dream and Matt Riddle. So it was very clear that Cole was going to win this match. But when you look at a replacement for Tommaso Ciampa and you say, who is the one guy that could get that same exact quality match out of Johnny Gargano and possibly put him over? It's Adam Cole, baby. And I'm really excited for this match, despite still being very depressed that we're not getting the Gargano Ciampa moment yeah. that we want so badly. I think it's both things at, at the same time, which, again, is, is always a credit to what NXT is able to do, how they reload, how the brand is really, you know, almost more important than the competitors. The brand sets the, the the table for what you should expect. And obviously, it's the competitors that get you there with the combination of what Adam Cole broke down so eloquently of how that con- how that connection between fans and wrestlers are, not just in the Full Sail Arena, but moving forward to the takeover cards, how that how that makes NXT so special. And he's right. And then you have these takeover cards where, oh, my God, you can lose the greatest story ever told 2.0. Probably Gargano going over the mountaintop and winning the championship finally. And you replace it with this. And I'm 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 as fired up. I mean, it's look, I loved hearing him break down the chemistry between the two. I hadn't been as woke to that. I had to go back and do some research, and it's their, you know, their PWG history, of course. Both were in Ring of Honor, all that. But uh, to hear him say, to kind of get you fired up that, yeah, we've we've wrestled together a lot, and uh, you pretty much should expect action. But yet, at the same time, to offset that with being real about the nerves he's facing, about the, the, the not the fear, but the pressure that's on him to deliver. When you get bumped up to the main event at a takeover and takeover mania weekend, and again, to add extra hyperbole, like he even said, maybe this is going to be the best takeover of all takeovers. Damn, there's pressure to not just be five stars, Adam, but to really try to get inside Meltzer's pants and really try to move some some things around in there and try to add a couple extra uh, half stars on the the Well, it's funny because the bar for this match is like 4.5 stars, right? It's If it hits 4.5, it's like, yeah, that was great. If it hits five, it's like, wow, that was amazing. But there's almost an expectation that it could be an all-timer because that's how good these guys are. That's how big the event is. And let's not forget the one thing we haven't mentioned. It's two out of three falls, uh, right? There's the opportunity for this to be truly something And I special. forgot about that. When I was interviewing, I didn't even think of that element yeah. to it. So that's a great element as well. But, you know, I also was really interested in, in the way he spoke about Undisputed Era. And tell me if I'm wrong. I'll make a statement. You know, hero or zero. Undisputed Era, Monday could debut on Raw or Tuesday night on SmackDown and be ready for the primetime. The only problem with that potentially is who wins this NXT championship match on, on Friday night. Oh, I'm saying assuming he loses. Because do you, if you're Triple H in the creative and this Gargano Ciampa amazing greatest story ever told 2.0 has had some weird twists and turns where they've had to adjust, I feel like you have to hold that mountaintop Daniel Bryan WrestleMania 30 moment for Gargano for Champa, and it's got to go. The ro- all roads have to go through Champa unless they have. Yeah, some... but can you delay? Can you literally delay that twelve more months and keep Gargano in NXT for twelve more months? I think it adds more. We don't know exactly what's going to happen to this main event, which is a good thing because you don't want to go in feeling like, okay, the match is going to blow me away, but I already know who's going to win. 
But yet at the same time, it does feel like it's almost time for Undisputed Era to get their moment. But but like, look, it's the whole I can't wait to go to high school, Billy joke. Like, is it already too crowded there? Who Who's going to step aside on Raw or SmackDown for them to come in and be anything but sanity? And I know it's not a perfect comparison. They have much more high end potential, much brighter ceiling on the main roster than sanity did. And Sanity's already getting buried on the blue brand. But, I, you know, I only want them to come up. If there's a built-in storyline against a main eventer or quasi-main event group ready to go plug it yeah. right in, have almost – I've said this from the beginning. The Undisputed Era needs a shield-like entrance to the main roster. The, well, what you have to remember, the, the way they differ from Sanity and the way they're way more like the Shield or Nexus is they have a frontman who can talk. They have someone you want to listen to. They have someone you want to see wrestle. Right. So you bring them in. You have a tag team ready made for tag team feuds. You have a mid carter ready made for mid card feuds. And you have a main eventer or a high mid carter ready for those types of feuds. Right. You could throw them on Raw tomorrow, have the revival, turn the revival face versus Undisputed Era, Roderick Strong trying to get an intercontinental title shot. And Adam Cole gets a run at Rollins if he wins the title, loses, but is in that situation. So I think they are ready made for their main roster. I think delaying them any further, you mentioned they've been there almost two years. Like, Adding Roddy Strong was a key, and he really filled them out in a way that, look, I want to die Jack there, right? I still want a big guy to join that group, but I love the way that Roddy Strong has really made them whole. And that group, to me, is ready to inject some juice into that main roster and give us a real faction on the main roster that we have not had in quite some time. And for whatever they don't have in size, which is something I think you've rightfully kept kept it going mentioning you know in the Dijak reference means you want an enforcer in there they are they have so much swagger they have so much with the hand gesture that they do crawl you know uh they they just have that it factor that that it, it, it's probably supersedes side size i mean look at adam cole he looks non-impressive is probably the best word physically when he steps into these main events and yet you stop well, thinking you about mean that from a, you mean from a weight and height perspective and certainly I, would take, from a 1980s, I would take being that cut any day of the week certainly from a 1980s yeah. vinnie mac perspective yeah. wbf as well but at the same time you forget about that quickly because he has say it find it, say find, it. it. find it he has it and i don't have it you don't have it thank you christian thank you there's also something to be said bc that their personalities make up for any stature concerns their personalities are so big all of them are so good on the mic and so good you know personifying the characters themselves in the ring that they don't need to be six for each you know what i mean but yes as i as with dx right china was the enforcer of dx it's always nice to have that bigger guy, that bigger woman, that person that says these guys can get away with all this crap talking and, and all these dirty heel tactics, and I'm not going to let you come between them and their goal. And, and that's kind of what they're missing. But it still works for me. Yeah, it works for me. Great. All right, we're going to break down this NXT card. I forgot to do a little bit of house cleaning before then. Uh, this Mount Rushmore thing's going to happen this week, Adam. We're going to put people in the will, in the damn family. What do you think? Wednesday or Thursday? People are going to get a WrestleMania preview Wednesday, whether it goes seven hours or not, just like Sunday's card. We got a very, very, very special interview bonus episode coming your way Thursday, people. So please buckle up. Maybe Wednesday? Maybe? Yeah, it, it has to be Wednesday. I think Thursday is too big, too tight of a turnaround to get it in there. We will announce the State of Combat, Mount Rushmore, the first one on Wednesday. And we already know the first name. 
Tristan Ateliano, okay. Ateliano underscore Tristan. He's that first spot who will take the final three. But BC, you just mispronounced his name. You should probably misspell it too, just to double down on it. No, I, I pronounce his name as I pronounce his name. Uh, there's a lot of this show left, BC. But before we get to all of that, a quick word from our friends and sponsors. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. And we're back. So please, everybody, as we mentioned before, stay tuned to Wednesday's WrestleMania preview. Find out if you made the cut and you can skip the line at Studio 54. Anyway, uh, we're going to get into this TakeOver New York preview right now. You heard from Adam Cole. Let's save that to the end. Let's start at the bottom. Do we know any pre-show kickoff matches? But those all end up on the NXT show the following week, right? This is five matches. Sleek perfect yeah. simplistic brilliance what do you think we're kicking off with adam yeah well i will get to that in a second but i want to make sure one thing we always get to this show late we're not getting there late this year i want to see all those matches before the show i want i don't want to watch you know the, the the nxt next wednesday i want those matches in the can ready to go so i want to get to the show as soon as gates open bc um i don't know what matches those are going to be obviously we all kind of thought they were going to give us Dijak versus Keith Lee. Apparently, Keith Lee got injured. That match is not part of this card, and I don't think it's going to be before it either. So, you know, it's all up in the air. But I think this show, I don't know if it's going to start with this match, but lowest on the totem pole, I think, is fair to say. The War Raiders against Aleister Black and Ricochet in a match for the NXT Tag Team Championship. And Brian, like, is there any scenario in which Aleister Black and Ricochet win? These guys have been on the main roster for the better part of two months, and yes, they've still been doing matches in NXT, but if they're not going to move them to the main roster after WrestleMania or the following week in the Superstar Shakeup, then what are we doing? Yeah, I think it's 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 a it's a slam dunk, a hundred percent. They're not going to win the NXT Tag Championships here. I think the bigger question is: Are they going to get a last minute kickoff show Raw? title opportunity at WrestleMania against the Revival coming off of this kind of cheat-heavy count-out loss on Raw this week against said Revival, or, and are they going to get the pop in the belts and the in the quick push as tag champions Tiles. on the main roster before they go their separate ways as single stars, which is really where they should be going. Uh, the weird cloud hanging over this is... And look, I would have loved to have asked Triple H this, but, but, you know, there's only so much you're going to find out in this interview later in the show. There's only so much you can ask him when there's so many categories on the board, but I would have loved to ask him about these NXT call-ups and was it Vince and not him? And why did these guys get called up? Why is Black and Ricochet a tag team right now? Oh, yeah, you didn't ask him. Oh, man, that would have been great. Why is know. Black and Ricochet a tag team right now? Was this, was this supposed to be Gargano and Champa in this spot? I don't really know. Why are these guys not getting giant singles pushes and maybe they will shortly after but what this means for nxt takeover is i can't see where it would make any sense for them to be nxt tag champions they are going to the main roster they have big singles pushes ahead of them if they're handled correctly in fact i almost thought 
that Black was going to turn on Ricochet during their their sort of celebration sequence after that match on Monday night where they lost by count out, but they laid out their, their revival opponents with black masses and finishing moves. And they were like kind of hogging and making sure each other were okay. And I'm like, are they going to turn right there? It didn't happen. They have to lose this match. And that's fine. If I know that coming in, but if this one starts off the show, it's a sleeper for match of the night. I mean, all five of these obviously are, this one could get really special in a hurry. I think the chemistry between both teams here is going to be off the charts because the one thing about Black and Ricochet, it is a super team. It is sort of this weird amalgamation of insane talent, of striking and athleticism. This could mesh perfectly with these yeah. doughy uh, high flyers here, the War Raiders. And, and they work extremely well together, which is interesting. And they almost mesh. It's almost like the only thing they have in common is their tattoos, but it somehow works. You know what I mean? Um, I w- listen, I'm going to go out and say this, and I don't know that it's that unpopular of an opinion, but the War Raiders tag team title reign has been exceedingly disappointing. And it's not that they're not good. It's just the matches that they've had have not been to my expectation level of NXT tag team matches, especially coming off of Undisputed Era against Mustache Mountain and some of the matches that preceded that, um, whether you're talking DIY, uh, Authors of Pain you know, Sanity, those were fantastic matches. And this War Raiders reign, these guys have barely been on TV. They've barely competed. And it's just like, I don't really care about this match at all. Uh, I know it's going to be good, but I'd probably put the second on the show. The match I'm going to bring up next is what I would definitely lead off with. Uh, But based on storytelling, after Raw on Twitter, I don't think Ricochet and Black are getting uh, Raw Tag Team Championship reign or or, uh, opportunity at WrestleMania, unless it's in a multi-team match. Interesting. Interesting if they'll show up at that job or battle royal as well. But for our purposes on Friday night, expect this to be hot fire. And let's just take a quick five-second pause to, I mean, should we give NXT credit overall in the past four or five years for reviving tag team wrestling in general? I mean, you just mentioned some names. Look at this lineage we've seen from, like, American Alpha through DIY, the the damn uh, revival through... I mean, early incarnations of the Lucha Dragons in 2015. I mean, like Mustache Mountain now. These guys have really, even the uh, AOP for that run, when they prove that they can keep up with these smaller teams and really give you top shelf matches. This this history in a short period of time, these are all classics. Even that one we saw that kicked off a couple takeovers ago when you and I were in the building when the damn Loney Lorkin, only Lorkin and the other dude that looks just like him, the fake Cesaro brothers, when they had that brilliant match to kick off the card. You can't miss on tag teams and NXT in the big moments. It's really crazy how good they've been. And you didn't even mention two teams that are like insanely over but just haven't gotten the titles, one being Enzo and Big Cass. Obviously, they're gone. And the Street Profits, which everyone loves, and they're athletic, and they're great in the ring, but they're not getting it. And Heavy Machinery, which people love, but let's be really honest, they're not that great, and they're mostly eventually going to be a jobber team and a comedy act, right? Yeah. Um, but you're right. And look, I don't, I do not buy into everyone saying, well, every time WWE brings someone up to the main roster from NXT, they ruin them. But you know what is true? That is true. Almost. Almost every time they bring tag teams up from NXT, they ruin them. And it's really depressing. There's no reason that two of the guys from Sanity aren't dominating right now on SmackDown or on Raw where they should have been, where they didn't have you know, a lot of space. Revival is just starting to get their mojo back. They split up American Alpha. 
I mean, the list goes You're right. on so and on. We it's, can't really say... the, it's really the tag teams that get ruined. And, and the, the faction slash stable slash groups or whatever your weird definitions are. The Vince doesn't seem to like large groups. So, so anyone that comes up and has some pop and power from what they've done in NXT kind of get ruined in terms of the importance of what their group brings to the table. And you were right. Outside of really booking anything involving the Usos, the New Day, and and most of the time the bar, really great, main roster tag team work has been underwhelming for a long time. They haven't done anything with a lot of these formidable teams. You're damn right. All right. The War Raiders have to win. we got to move on. What do we got? All right. So this is the match I expect to open the show. And it, if it does, man, this might set off the an epic NXT TakeOver New York. Pete Dunne defending his oh, WWE United Kingdom Championship. Folks, I still don't know why it's not called the NXT UK Championship, considering that's the brand, but he will be defending that title against Walter BC. And while we talk about it, I'm going to look up Pete Dunne's reign with this title, but holy crap, it has been forever. Here we go. I have it right here. 682 days and counting. Wow. When Tyler, uh, when Tyler Bate won that title back in 2017, I thought he was going to hold it for a year. I was like, wow, this is the guy they're hitching their wagon to. He got 125 days. Dunn has had this title since May 20th of that year. What a reign. What a wrestler. Bye-bye. It's time to see Walter take the strap. Well, can I give a preemptive? Oh, God, that was an early one. I shot off fireworks too early. Maybe I shot my load right there. What I'm it, was trying pre- to say, it, was, it was premature. It was premature. What I'm trying to say is this one really, out of all the matches on here, like, yeah, Gargano Cole is going to be a classic dream riddle. I, I, the mega powers are currently exploding in my pants. This one could sneakily steal the show. We know Pete Dunne's history. Look, the, the bait matches, that feud was insanely good. Walter is just a stiff-ass, giant European man who does insane things. You think it's automatic that Dunn's going to lose the title here because of how long the reign is. But I feel like if you're going to have a UK championship, it means more to have that title change happen on the NXT UK show that you're trying to put over in an NXT UK city in front of those fans. So I think what this match serves as is a guaranteed entertainer. It's going to be 16 hot-ass minutes. Dunn's going to win the title, but you're going to be left wanting more from Walter, and he's going to finally take that belt in the UK. But either way, I don't think you can put a ceiling on what this fight, this match could do. It's going to be fantastic. Well, uh, see, here's what I think you might be missing. It's WrestleMania week. WrestleMania means more than country. Or, or province that you're in, okay? This is a huge match on a huge show. And the thing about Walter is they really, WWE and NXT UK, has not necessarily had someone who could step up to Pete Dunne and be a believable champion other than him. Even if they don't want to bring Pete Dunne to the main roster, if they want to keep him there, the guy needs to be in chase at some point. It's been the better part of two years And this is a formidable, legitimate, badass, talented, exciting opponent who, when you see these two go face-to-face in the match, most likely right before it begins, you can say to yourself, yeah, that guy can be NXT UK champion. So I think it's a no-brainer. And just because it's predictable doesn't mean it's bad. We've had that conversation on the show before. Sometimes you want the things that you expect and that you want to happen to pay off. And what the Silver King wants is for Walter to be the NXT UK champion. Yep. I'm gonna, you're gonna I, decided, I just decided right now, that's what I'm going to call the title. So screw them. The belt. Yeah, you're going to call it a belt. I love that. Hey, by the way, all five of these uh, 
matches on this takeover card are for a belt, which is in amazing. Title. I love yeah, it. Yeah, all of them for titles and Give championships. It to me. Yep. Marked. I wish I I would love. How much would it cost to ask WWE? Can I have Kurt Angle himself pour the two bottles of milk over me ahead of one of these big matches to just fire me up for it? And then have somebody with my soundboard behind me hitting the siren and the engine revving next to me. Oh man, yeah. All right, all right, all right, all right. Sounds like a wet dream to me. Oh, come on, come on. You're better than that. You are better than that. All right, what do we got next on this car? Oh, did we put, yeah, we already, we rolled through it. Let's get to the next one. Look, they probably deserve higher billing here, but I'm going to go with this next, the fatal four-way match for the NXT Women's Championship. We have Shayna Baszler defending against Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kyrie Sane, BC, and this match really has a chance to be special. You, it's, it's Baszler's ground-based submission-style attack, right, versus Belair's power. Versus the high flying of Io Shirai and Kyrie Sane, which we know are both awesome, right? So this has the opportunity to be. I'm not going to say it's going to be that that ladder match, right? That that uh, crowned the first North American champion, but it has a chance to be very similar to that with the talent of these four women. Wow, wow, big big boasting here from the Silver King. Big expectations. I think my expectations are that this match will be very good. It will be the worst of the five. But I think this is a sneaky opportunity for Belair to have her moment. I thought it was going to come in the last takeover against Baszler. And I think overall two things happened. One, Belair showed me she's not Velveteen Dream, meaning she's not ready to like leap through my screen and jump to the main roster. But she did show me that for as raw and young as she is in terms of ring experience to get to this point to be a title contender that she is going to be amazing. And if they wanted to make it her time, she has the swagger on the microphone and the look and the gimmick and all that to make up for some of the fact that she's still so raw in the ring. I think this is the perfect setup here. If it's time for Baszler and the NXT horsewomen to sort of join Rousey's side for as long as Rousey is going to be active after WrestleMania, it could be time to put the titles on Belair. I think the match is going to be insanely amazing. I think it's going to, a lot of that's going to be because of Shirai and Sane and how they're high flying offsets with what you mentioned, the submission and power style of the other two. But I think the way the water's sort of part here, Baszler's had the title for a long ass time. It seems I know she's given it up once or twice and gotten it back, but this is Bianca Belair's opportunity. This could be her moment here. I'm fired up for this. You know, I love me some Bianca Belair. Yeah, I mean, I think if someone's going to win the title from Baszler, it's going to be Belair, right? They set it up where she almost beat her. She doesn't have to pin or submit her to win it in this scenario. So it keeps Baszler looking strong. But it just doesn't seem right to me. She still seems really green. They don't have a lot of women behind her, right? Like, Aaliyah and some of these other women, Vanessa Bourne, that are just recently getting pushed, it's like they've been there forever and they're not particularly great, right? So if it's not Baszler, then you're saying Io Shirai or Kyrie Sane, but they've been working as a tag team. And it almost seems like they're going to stay as a tag team because now WWE has a women's tag team division. And if we're being candid, while both of them individually are great and either could be a WWE women's champion, and I would fully buy into it because I think they're extremely talented. Neither necessarily has the mic skills to pull that off. So making them a tag team is pretty smart, um, and they complement each other very well. So it really does come down to me to either Baszler or Belair. I actually think Baszler's going to retain the title here. I think it's a good opportunity for her to do it without beating someone only herself. For example, Shirai and Sane both hit finishers on Belair. Baszler throws them out of the ring, pins her, right? A scenario like that. And unless you're going to tell me that they're running this four horsewomen versus four horsewomen angle immediately on WWE TV after Rousey either wins or drops the title at WrestleMania, 
uh, I don't think she's leaving NXT because I don't exactly know what they would be doing with her. Yeah, and and you can also make the argument that if Baszler is going to be by Ronda's side, either at Mania or at Raw the next night, it may add more credibility to her to show up with the NXT Championship over her shoulder. And if Ronda is only going to be on screen a handful of more times ahead of, say, SummerSlam, it may be better to keep Baszler and the rest of the horse women down there to continue to build themselves. So it's all interesting. I think the match can be really good. You have the right elements here. I'm hoping Belair gets her moment. The fan in me is hoping. Look, we've said it before. Would we risk it all for Liv Morgan? No. Yes. And our guy from the Street Profits risked it all for Bianca Belair. And shout out to him. Montez Ford. Yeah. All right. That was the grossest moment of the podcast. Let's move it on forward here. All right. So, look, this next match, it may not end up being the match of the night, but it could end up being the match of the weekend. That's the level of range that this thing has. Velveteen Dream defending the NXT North American Championship against Matthew Riddle, the original bro, the Super King of Bros, whatever you want to call him. BC, I don't know about you. I loved Velveteen Dreamland Wednesday night on NXT. I thought that was a great genius move to kind of give him that type of environment and have Riddle kind of walk up there like investigating it, you know, drinking the pimp cup, seeing what it's all about, you know, offending him. But you know what? In almost any other scenario, I would tell you, yeah, you got to put the title on Matt Riddle here because he can't really – it's not he can afford a loss, but it doesn't make sense when you built him up so strong. But this is the first time that Velveteen Dream has gotten any run of legitimate success. Every big match that he had been in prior to this North American Championship match against Johnny Gargano, which by the way was not even on a takeover. It was on NXT TV. He lost all of those matches. It is time for him to get a big retention against a big star, and I think he deserves it. And it won't hurt Riddle at all. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, yeah. A, a ma- losing a match, a title match of this level on a takeover in a match that expects to blow our minds, no, it doesn't hurt you. That's that's not 50-50 booking. That's smart booking. That's booking it like it's a real fight promotion. Because guess what? If this was real fighting and you booked this dream Riddle match, you'd be, you wouldn't know who was going to win. And you'd be fired up. And you'd be like, this is 50-50. And some, one of these two great fighters is going to have to lose. And I think that's the mindset coming in. From a physicality standpoint, outside of Velveteen Dream Ricochet, when they met on TakeOver last year or a year and a half ago, whatever it was, I don't think I've been as excited for an NXT match just from the standpoint of what the hell is this going to look like? How great are they going to complement each other? And when you matched together Rico and Dream, it was a little bit different because of Ricochet's high-flying. Dream and Riddle together from the combination of mixing athleticism with stiff, believable striking. I mean, this, these guys could have a savage steamboat relationship. I mean, I, I, that sounds insane. That sounds, I, you know, it really could. This could be special magic. Like this could be fan friggin' tastic where you just put them in there together and the sparks just fly off the same sparks. When Charlotte and, and, and Sasha locked up for the first time in NXT, where you, they were just like, oh my God, this is like, this is my partner. This is my dance partner. This person was made for me. I got this weird feeling like Dream and Riddle can be that against each other. And I agree with you that Dream's got to retain here. He's got to, they've got to be building him towards something. He could get called up at any time. There's, there's re, there's, there's good reason not to call him up because by the way, he's still only 23, which is absurd. There's no reason not to slow build him and give him a long NXT title reign before he eventually goes up. He's like this lottery ticket that they're like, we could throw him out there now 
and use him on the main roster and, and make business and do things. But at the same time, we got so many stars. Why not make him even better? I think they're doing that now. He's going to dominate this North American title. Then he's going to move up to the big belt. And then eventually he's going to move up. I don't know. Dream is just the perfect ma- dream. I can't, I'm trying to figure out who Dream actually is. Like, what is he a mixture of? And like, I see a lot of Ricky Steamboat, but I see it almost in like a heavyweight body. There's some savage and there's, there's, I mean, this guy is just something we haven't seen before outside of how great his ability to own his character is outside of how great he is to stay in character and, and dominate on the microphone physically. I don't think I've been excited as excited about one man's body as this guy. I mean, tell me about a piece of meat you enjoyed, please, Adam. By the way, universal praise for Velveteen Dream. We've asked Triple H about him. We've asked Adam Cole about him. We've asked Johnny Gargano about him. Every single person we talk to about Velveteen Dream praises this guy and basically agrees with us. Yes, his future is is as bright as he can make it. But they praise him for the the mentality and the swagger. I'm just talking just – just the physical alone. Oh, it's all of it, man. It's, it's like a he's, package. It's, it, it is a complete package. It, wow, we're getting real down the road here. But inside of that complete package, if he was horrific on the microphone, I would still be almost as excited because physically he's just insane. And it's not just, well, I mean, it's dude, not just the player. aerial. You remember, that, you remember that string of guys WWE introduced like after Goldberg and Lesnar kind of left? That like Undertaker mentored one, and, and like there was this guy Tyler Rex, and like they had all these dudes. They were all physical, like Marvel's Vince McMahon's perfect specimens of guys, and they all failed. There was like seven of them in a one-year span. All of them failed. This guy, yes, he has a great body, and he's athletically extremely gifted. But you're, it's the mentality, it's it's the care for the business. Oh, it's all it's, that. It's, in that, in it's that, the that's why he has that goes along with it. But that's why he has mania main event potential. But I'm just talking about the physical for a second, and not how he looks. In terms of, you know, being cut and all that. I just mean it's not just the ability to jump really high and do athletic moves. It's how smooth his moves are, the transitions from one to the other, how natural he looks in there. It's See, insane. I actually think because his arms are so long that he's not completely smooth. Like it seems like he's athletic and extremely gifted, but there's many times where it seems not – I don't want to say robotic because that's not fair, but it seems like he's still learning these new moves that he's putting together. And he is, and that's, that's accurate. Um, but because he, his arms are so long and his, his top is so, you know, different than, than some of these other guys, his, it looks like it's more, takes him more effort to do some of these things. And I don't say that in a bad way, but I don't have that same, Oh, everything's super smooth. Like you think, I think of ricochet that way. I don't think of Velveteen dream that way. Interesting. Interesting. That's what I think, Vince, when I look at this match, when I look at Dream, his body is a wonderland and Dream will retain in this one. But I know I've said this for every match. This one's going to steal your heart, going to steal the show. This is the match we may end up being we may end up talking about. I legitimately and like, look, the the, you you know, I'm excited for the women's triple threat main event at Mania. And, you know, I'm excited about Kofi and, and Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles and Randy Orton. And there's a ton of good wrestling this week. Hell, we have Tetsuya Naito against Ibushi Kota. Kota Ibushi, right? Uh, it's it's endless. I legitimately believe this match could win the entire weekend. Wow. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. All right. Let's get into this main event now. It's for the vacant NXT championship. You heard Adam Cole break it down. We know the potential. We know the chemistry between them. Adam, Adam has to win. You cannot give away this Gargano scenario. Until we find out when Tommaso is coming back. Gargano's got to be the babyface going over the mountain. I will give them so much credit here. 
There's no real storyline because of the obvious last-minute nature here. Yet one talking segment to open NXT this past week covered everything. That's they sold. They sold this match in one segment better than they've sold Lashley Finn Balor. And they did it old school. So why, when people get mad at me when I say I need less wrestling on Raw and SmackDown, I need more talking. But I need the talking to be great. This was great. They sold exactly what the storyline's about, exactly what's at stake for both. They insulted each other just enough while putting over the journey that they took to get here. Uh, This was like absolutely brilliant. Carve it out of stone, put it on ice, savor it, bottle it up, put it in the wine cellar, and just going back to it for a couple drips whenever you need to pour it on any other feud because this is how it should be done. They didn't need two months. They have me exactly where I need to be. Already physically, I expected something special here. Now, storyline-wise, how does Johnny Gargano go from being a heel recently back to a babyface seamlessly because it's simple and brilliant and perfect? These guys nailed it. He also was never a full heel, and I've been trying to get that across. Like, yes, he had heel tactics, and he you know, used that uh, middle rope DDT finisher a la Champa. Um, and he certainly celebrated with him, but they played it off very well in storyline. And it was very clear that he knew he wanted to give Champa the opportunity to turn on him again. And when that arised, he was ready for it. And he threw him, you know, right into the, um, the set, you know, just like it happened to NXT TakeOver Chicago. I thought that was brilliant, by the way. And we actually never even discussed that because we knew, uh, Champa was hurt. So it was like, oh, that thing didn't matter. But that segment, by the way, to close NXT, I think it was two weeks ago, was incredible. Uh, and he also had told you have to remember Candice LeRae, I think it was the prior episode. So now we're three weeks back um, when she was raising concerns about him teaming with Champ again. Don't worry, I've got it. He had that all planned out. So this is a guy who was almost feigning like he was a heel when he was a baby face all along. The only difference is now he's gained a little bit of an edge that he didn't have before when he was pure white meat baby face. I understand your concerns. You want Gargano to get that mountaintop moment over Tommaso Champa, not Adam Cole. But here's the problem. And I said it earlier in the show. Champ is out a year. So you're either going to keep Gargano in NXT and keep him away from the championship for a year. Or you're just going to let him win it here um, and try to continue that feud best you can. Hopefully put both guys on SmackDown. Let it be for the United States Championship and roll it that way. Um, The other option is... You have Cole win, which would be totally fine, and you move Gargano to the main roster, and you immediately put him in a mid-card title feud the way they did like with Mustafa Ali. They tried to rocket ship him towards that WWE title match with Daniel Bryan that he wasn't going to win. Well, you can do that, especially with a superstar shakeup with Gargano um, and possibly the Intercontinental Championship. I don't want that. Raw. I, I'm going to pause you and say I don't want Johnny Gargano on the main roster. I don't. And, and I don't. He belongs in NXT. He belongs in NXT. And, and now you're going to say, well, what was he going to have to do? Wait a year plus for Champa to come back and continue? No. Put him in. I mean, a, you're asking. You're put asking him in a North American to title. Turn down, like a big downside guarantee and money and merchandise. And, Adam, I mean, he's going to only go in backwards on the main roster. When right now you can put him in a North American title feud with Velveteen Dream for six months. That'll be fantastic. Why would you put him on the main roster? He'll get a quick title feud, like you mentioned, for the US or IC, and it won't really work. And then he'll go back to just being no, a man. The fan, he's too good for it not to work. You have to remember, man, all these people where it quote unquote doesn't work. There's generally something wrong or, or it's or it's not meant to. Right. 
Daniel Bryan, it was like, man, they're really not giving him a push. And the fans got him completely over, right? It was like Cesaro, man, they're not doing anything with this guy. They put him in a tag team that's been one of the WWE's best tag teams over the last few years. If there is someone who is good and organically good that people like, Kofi Kingston, the fans will get him pushed the way they want him pushed. Sanity not getting pushed is not the same as Johnny Gargano. EC3 being like in nowhere, no man's land is not the same as Johnny Gargano. We try to act like size doesn't matter in 2019, despite all the times that Big Kaz has told us. Size does matter. But it does at some levels. Eventually, like, yes, no, it doesn't matter. Mustafa Ali can be a main eventer on SmackDown. Daniel Bryan could be on top of the mountain at WrestleMania 30. Yes. I just think for some guys, size will matter. Johnny Gargano will not work, and Vince won't stick with him with a legit mid-title main event push. It's not going to happen, and eventually he's going to get ruined. He needs to stay down where he belongs in NXT, where he can shine and dominate and be that guy, because guess what? Champa's not going to work either without him on the main roster. They need to be on NXT together. It's the truth. You saw that when they got called up to Raw and SmackDown in the last month. It didn't work, Adam. It did not work when they went over the bar. It didn't work. I'm telling you right now that it didn't work. I'm taking out a bread with a bottle of it didn't work peanut butter and spreading it with a knife across you right now. Eat it. Smell it. No, it didn't work. It never will. Yeah, well, you just spread it on fresh bread that, that ripped right in the middle because that's a horrible take. That's not the case because the booking is was ridiculous with DIY, uh, not being heels, not being faces, being called up along with Ricochet and Aleister Black for no good reason. That's bad booking. That's very different than someone working or not working on the main roster. I already laid that out. But BC, I want to give final predictions here for this match. I'm giving it to Johnny Gargano. I think they give him the mountaintop moment. They close NXT TakeOver New York with this guy winning the match that he was supposed to win, even if Champa's not there. That's my prediction. I'm sticking to it. What say you? Uh, Adam Cole is going to win, and it's going to be because of cheating from the Undisputed Era, which I think Cole kind of teased that. I think they showed their hand when the Undisputed Era came That's out. That's why it's not going to happen. And and they sort of said, you know, this is the reason why you're not going to win, because in the end, I got these guys around me. That's going to be the reason why. Cole, baby, it's time. Look, it wasn't supposed to be his time, but it will be his time. And that's why it works so well that even though there's this last-minute fiasco of Champa getting injured, they can substitute something in and it can work so well because Cole is that guy. He's ready for this moment. He said it himself. It wasn't supposed to be my time more or less, but it is because I am the one who was chosen for this and I'm ready for this. It's going to be seamless in the end. It's going to be Cole with that championship, the heels around him. They're going to have their NXT four horse man moment. And it's men, sorry, four horse men moment. And it's going to be fantastic. Sorry, Johnny, you're not ready for high school. Stay in NXT and continue to carry that brand and carry my heart, carry my soul this weekend. Cause Friday, things are going to happen, Adam, inside of my pants. I cannot. Oh, the mega powers are about to explode in my pants right now. This takeover card is going to be, I, I hate doing that every single time. This is going to be the best takeover card ever. It's going to be. And now we're going to talk to Triple H about that and much, much more, Adam. Are you ready? You ready for the patriarch? You ready for dad here? Paul Trips, Hunter, Terra, Ryzen coming your way <laughs> right now. Enjoy. Well, you got too many titles and too many names. The Connecticut Blue oh, Bud himself. Paul yeah, you know who you're. You know who you're supposed to talk to. You don't need the descriptor. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But we know who this guy is, and what a weekend you guys got coming up. WrestleMania 35, Sunday, April 7th, MetLife Stadium on the WWE Network. 
But it doesn't start or end there, obviously. You got the Hall of Fame Saturday night. You got NXT TakeOver New York. Got to ask you about all that. But I want to start right here, Paul. History. WrestleMania 35 as a company. You've already made the announcement. The women will be in the main event. Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair. I talked to Charlotte yesterday. She said there was nothing like hearing the news from Vince and knowing that he trusted them in this spot. I got to ask you as an executive, what goes into a decision like this? Because it can't just be, wow, this match could be pretty good. Let's put it on last. Really, let's put it into context. How important, how historic is this decision? It's it's epic. It's every bit of everything that the media and that you would think it is. It There's a lot that goes into a decision like that. It means a lot. It goes across every line of revenue we have. It goes across every promotional asset we have, every media asset we have, right? You have to think about every component of that. And what does this mean to all of them? Um, and I think Charlotte summarized it best that to have the confidence in it, that this is what can close the show, that to have the confidence in it, that this is what should be the epic thing, the most talked about thing of the weekend, um, the most talked about thing of WrestleMania and the biggest thing that is drawing 75,000 people to MetLife stadium, uh, to see this event. And, and that is, um, that that is everything that you think would go into it goes into that decision. When you're preparing for a match like that, and I think if my math is correct, you have closed the show twice at WrestleMania your career, as recently, of course, as WrestleMania 32 in Dallas against Roman Reigns. So you obviously are going to raise the stakes at WrestleMania. You want to steal the show. But when you're in the main event and you're a performer and you've already done, you know, four and a half, five-star matches that have popped the critics and the crowd – how do you even begin to prepare like these women will have to do to put on the kind of match that wins the weekend that justifies a decision this big? You know, the the thing is, I think that when you're at the level that they're at, it comes down to less about like, oh, what big moves are we going to do or what things are we going to do to up the ante? Because it's not about that. It's about telling a better story. You know, um, and and the emotional involvement. How are you going to emotionally involve this crowd to get them to another level at the end of a seven hour or whatever it's going to be long show? You know, um, you, you you really have to dig down into the emotional bag to 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 make that happen. Short of run, passing out seventy five thousand bottles of five hour energy right before you. <laughs> <laughs> to start the show, I mean, uh, the the second half of the show or something like you, you really have to dig down, but it's about the emotion. You know, I think too many times, uh, if you're going to build a blockbuster movie, you don't start with the, Hey, how cool can we make a dinosaur look right? You start with what's the story. And, and to me, that is, we're the same thing, right? When, when you're, you're going to make the Avengers movie, it's it's about the characters. You have to passionately care about the characters, and then you have to passionately care about the things you do. Because at the end of the day, the special effects and all that stuff—they're really cool, but they just add to the story. They are not the story, and and this this story um, will need to be special. The thing I love about WWE making this decision right now, 2019, this year, is look—if if you'd made this decision last year, it would have got 
heavily praised because it's time. It's time for the women. But there's a difference, Paul, between, oh, it's just time because they deserve it, and it's also best for business. And this feud with these three women has been insane. When was the turning point, even for you personally, where you're like, okay, yep, we got it. It's not just a good story. It doesn't just make sense. It has to be the main event. Yeah, I I think along the way, you just started to have all the pieces come into place, right? Like Becky Lynch starts to get white hot as the man. Um, Ronda is, is just time after time that she's in the ring in her first year in the business is just, you know, delivering these epic performances where she has zero right to be that good at this point in time. Um, Charlotte Flair, probably one of the most consistent performers on the roster of turning in, you know, really great performances. You have all these pieces kind of coming together and, and then, and then you start to wrap around the story around that. And it just becomes self-evident to me that the interest level, the reactions, the biggest crowd noise is starting to become this storyline right it's starting to become the women and to me that is the you you said it correctly in the beginning this isn't about putting women in the main event this is about the women are the main event you know it is this is about this women's storyline happens to be the hottest thing in the business it happens to be the most talked about thing the Becky Lynch character is white hot. The Charlotte Flair character is white hot as a as a uh, an antagonist. Um, Ronda Rousey is white hot as an antagonist and is a household name that brings in eyeballs from outside of our world and has continued to crisscross uh, along those lines and, and captivate people um, outside of the WWE universe. All the pieces came together, but again, it's not because, well, it's the right time to put the women in the spot. Yeah, It's because they are the main event. And to be honest, I think when you start to look at this card and you start to think of, to me, oh my God, what's going to deliver at the highest level? I have every confidence in the world that this will deliver at yeah. the highest level. You know, um, are there a lot of things in the card that will deliver? Yes, but I have the highest confidence that this will and 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 will be the match of the night, you uh, know. So it's it's not uh, this is not being given. It's been earned. It, it, <laughs> it's the spot that they deserve and that they earned, not the spot that is uh, that is is being handed to them because the time is right in the world, you know. Yeah, very well said indeed. And of course, I mentioned Saturday night is the WWE Hall of Fame Class of 2019 induction. At the at the Barclays Center of WWE Network, but you're going to play a big part in that. The headlining faction going in, of course, is D Generation X, and uh, awesome honor. All, I'm, and by the way, Paul, you may end up getting in about six or seven or eight times unless you tell them no, because <laughs> I mean, there's a few different factions you took part of. Uh, but I got to ask you, what's the, what's the legacy when you look at what DX accomplished? What's the big thing that jumps out to you? I think we helped transition the WWE in a time when the entire thing needed to change to be relevant to a new generation. Um, Along with Stone Cold, along with The Rock, we were something, D-Generation X was something that transcended uh, sports entertainment. You know, as you said, to this day, uh, you know, there there are certain things in the business that become massive and 
uh, to this day, Austin 316. On 316, the date, it trends, right? <laughs> SmackDown has become part of the lexicon of of pop culture uh, because of The Rock. Things he said, things Austin did and said, things DX did and said. You know, when we were in our heyday of, of doing it, there wasn't a week that went by uh, that I didn't, you know, see a sports center uh, with somebody scoring a touchdown and crotch chopping, with somebody uh, hitting a home run or a grand slam and turning around and crotch chopping the other team or or saying, I got two words for you. And, and uh, it, it kind of, it just, it took on a life of its own and it transcended the business. And I think it turned the the WWE from being what it was and that generation prior to all of a sudden this explosion of... Um, a whole new generation of, of fans and you call it the attitude era, call it whatever you want, but, but D generation X was a big cog in that wheel. And I think that's, that's the legacy of the group. And it's you, it's, it's Sean Waltman, it's Sean Michaels, it's badass Billy Gunn, it's the road dog, Jesse James, but I'm popping big Paul because it's China as well. And we all know maybe yeah. the, the personal missteps that could have, or, or maybe did keep her out up to this point, but, but being the relationship you had with her, how important, how awesome is this for you to see China posthumously get this type of uh, recognition for what she accomplished? It's awesome. Um, I'm thrilled, you know, for her as the human being that I knew um, for her family, for her sister who I knew. Um, you know, she, she, they, they, you can really, they, there's, there's probably not a woman that ever made as big of an impact as she did. Um, again, somebody that transcended the business um, on her own, and I'm sure will be in the Hall of Fame sometime on her own. I, I think it's fitting that she's in there with DX in the beginning because it's how she started, um, and I and I think that works out. You know, it, I think it's what it should be. Um, you after she left the business and and everything else prevented it for a period of time. But it, it's a funny thing because people look at it and go like, well, finally they're putting her in there. But like, she's going into a class with honky tonk, man. Like he's just getting in there as a generation before, <laughs> you know, it, it's not a, <laughs> not a time, time limity type thing. I'm thrilled that it's this year, partly because, uh, you know, I, I just think that it, you know, finally the, the time has passed where everything can just happen and it can be right for her where the moment of her getting put into the Hall of Fame in this manner is about her accomplishments to go into the Hall of Fame and not about anything else. Yeah, that's you know what I mean. Yeah, that's and, that's and I and and that was and maybe misinterpreted, but that was always my bigger point of this is like you can't do it when that becomes the conversation. The conversation needs to be about her accomplishments in what she did uh, here, and the time is right for that. And and I know that if you could go back and say to her in the year that the women would come out and be the main event at WrestleMania, something that at that point in time, you would have gone like, no way, like would have been inconceivable. Um, and that she probably in some way inspired a lot of those women that are doing what they're doing right now. Um, you know, it, it couldn't be any more uh, of the right time and, and the and just the the right spot. And it all happened for a reason that way. 
And look, you've been in two monster factions, Evolution, DX. Every time people talk to Ric Flair, they say, you know, you've been in two monster ones yourself. What's the best faction of all time? I had that talk with Seth Rollins, of course, because look, if you're a young teenager, you're probably going to think, rightfully so, the Shield's the best faction of all time. But are we burying the lead here, Paul? Because I'm a horseman guy. I'm an NWO guy. But is the best faction of all time really the click? I know it's a trick question and a trick answer, <laughs> but considering yeah, this look, this group fueled DX and NWO, is this really the best group of all time? Yeah, I mean it's it's a, a funny uh, a thing to say it that way because it really might be. You know, what people didn't understand. It's funny when people talked about the click and all we were was a bunch of guys. Luger gave us said the the click thing or something, and and it kind of stuck. And then we thought it was funny and ran with it and made a big deal out of it because we thought it was funny and it made us look like bricks. So we, we just ran with it, but um, it was really just five guys that were so passionate about the business that all we wanted to do was sit in the car, drive together when the show was over, talk about the business, talk about things we do differently, talk about how we change it. And no matter how much we say we didn't want to, you know, Scott Hall would say the same thing every night. We'd get in the car and he'd go, all right, guys, look, let's just not talk business tonight, right? I'm burnt <laughs> out on it. I don't want to talk about business. Right after I mentioned the fact that I think in this match tonight, like, you know, and he would he would start the conversation, but we would do it every night. It was just a passion for the business. And to me, that's what it's all about. If you were to say, uh, could it be the most influential group in some way? Maybe because the passion level um, was so strong and so high and you can disagree with everybody's take on things from their politics or their positioning but it's tough to look at it and say hall and nash going to wcw and starting the nwo um, wasn't one of the most impactful things of all time that sean and i starting dx with china who who reframed what it meant to be a woman in the business um that degeneration x didn't change what it meant to be uh to, to be a, a wrestling fan and a sports entertainment fan and to watch what we did and think it was cool along with Austin and rock. But like, you know, it, it, it changed the business and to think that all those things didn't come out of that group. It's, it's tough to say. So maybe, maybe you're right. Um, if you ask me the greatest group on the, on the creative side, I don't know. I'm with you. I go horseman. Cause that's what I grew up watching. You know, it's, uh, if you, it, I always feel like, uh, our business is, is like music and that whatever you uh, loved when you were a teen and you were in that in the in your prime of life, that's what you think is the greatest of all time. And, uh, you know, you, you look at the guys today and go shield smealed. I, uh, I let me show you the four horsemen. Right. Like it's uh, I, I think that's what you do. So I'm I'm proud if, if you were to say to me that we're even had in that conversation uh, to say degeneration X. Uh, the NWO, the Four Horsemen, uh, you know, to be in that conversation is awesome. All right, I got to close by asking you something I could have asked you 15 questions about, and that's Friday night, April 5th, NXT TakeOver New York. Man, is this a lean and perfect card. I don't know how you play this game of can you top this, Paul, because I, th I was in a hardcore NXT 2015 fan. I thought that could have been the mountaintop. Maybe you never could have achieved anything better than that year, that group, that creative, that vibe. 2018 blew it all out of the water. It's 2019 now. How do you top this? Can you top this on Friday night, April 5th? Because now I'm looking at this card on paper, 
even with Tommaso Ciampa's injury, and it's heartbreaking, this might be the best takeover card ever when it's all said and done after Friday, April 5th. Yeah, it's always the challenge, and we say it every single time, and I go there every single time holding my breath, and as we're building towards stuff, you're trying to build to the most epic stuff you can, and you're thinking, how are you going to get there and top it? And you, and you just try to, you know, you, you do the best uh, that you can. And to be honest, we're at the, the, uh, the, the mercy of the talent and, and uh, how great they are. I look at this card and I think, yeah, it's, it's the talent. You know, the fact that as as unbelievable of a year as Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa have had over a couple of years to tell this story, the fact that as awesome as they are, um, that Ciampa could get injured, and this is no slight to him, and that you could pick five guys, put them in a fatal five-way, say any one of these guys could win this, and people would go, yeah, no, that would be epic. And then Adam Cole wins it, and... By the end of that show, Michael Hayes, Shawn Michaels, and I sat in a room in the back and were like, man, this feels as big as it did when we shot the ending of the, you know, the, the Gargano Ciampa story right before he got injured. Like this feels already, it feels just as big as that. Um, that's a testament to the talent and how good they are. We'll keep plugging away. Um, you know, the intent is to make these guys. Uh, I, I look back and I see Seth Rollins uh, facing Brock Lesnar. I see uh, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair in the main event. And I think those were all talent that I was running on these events, however many years ago uh, for each of them. And, uh, you know, I, I look forward to all the talent that we're running with now being those main events on WrestleMania five years from now and everything else. And I look forward to who the new guys are coming up that we haven't even spotted yet that might be in the system or might not even be in the system yet that I'm going to have plugged into this because I plan, you know, uh, when I'm talking to you again on the phone, cause I know you just redid your deal with CBS sports for a, for a, a nice chunk of time here. So I'll be, I'll be talking to you for a while. I'm excited about that. Uh, but, uh, you know, Brian in, in 2021 or, uh, 22. I plan on you going. Look, in 19, I thought I said to you it was going to be the most epic guard of all time, and here we are in 21, and this could be the best ever. Uh, that's the that's the plan. It's just making it happen. That's the trick. I love it. And and, and until all those years, and thanks for putting me over. But in all those years, I'm still going to be in your ear saying, I know you say some people like chocolate, some people like vanilla scoop, some people like strawberry when it comes to wrestling. Well, I like NXT, Paul. It's the best brand in the business. So keep up the great work. Can't wait for WrestleMania weekend. Great chatting with you. I love it, man. Thank you very much. I got to give it up to Trent. Look, he just put me over, so of course I got to give it up to him. Smart move, by the way. Smart move from the WWE COO there to put me over. So now I say great things about him. But truthfully, you know, Adam, we've had him on many times. I appreciate the time Triple H gives to journalists like us ahead of big events. I appreciate that even though he's going to give you the corporate answer when he needs to, he doesn't dodge big questions. The problem is he's so good that inevitably you're going to leave an interview no matter how many minutes you get saying, I wish I asked that, I should have asked that, I should have asked that. But hot damn, from the China comments to laying out the challenge that does come with replacing an injured Champa with a storyline that would equal that and get you as excited, Trips has delivered behind the scenes. Trips has delivered on this podcast in Paul. We trust. Absolutely. And I almost wish you didn't earlier in the show mention what you didn't ask him. 
because I really wanted that question asked. Like, hey, uh, what the hell just happened when Vince called up these four NXT guys out of nowhere? I'm really curious what you think about that. But the truth is, there's so much to talk to him about. Well, he wouldn't have answered it. Let's be honest. He wouldn't have said, well, actually, the dirt sheets are right, Brian. Vince overruled me. (laughs) Um, But the truth is, there's always so much to talk to him about. And the other truth is he likes to speak. So you only get so many questions when you get an opportunity to speak with Paul. The good news is that this year, as we have the last couple of NXT takeovers that we've attended, uh, we'll be able to speak with him after the show as well. And hopefully, I didn't even consider this. We didn't do it last year. Maybe we can include some of that audio in our WrestleMania instant analysis show. That would be very cool. Um, But he, you know, everything from the way he spoke about China and the click, I found that extremely interesting. So just kind of saying like, yeah, guys, uh, we know what we're doing with NXT. You know, it's as simple as that. Well, I love when you get a little nugget of what it was like. And his little nugget here was saying backstage, watching on the monitor at Full Sail, him, Michael Hayes, Shawn Michaels, and they're watching Adam Cole win that fatal five-way. And they're looking at each other going, just like you said, this might be as good or better in terms of, you know, how excited I am doing this Cole Gargano than doing Champa Gargano. But did you hear what he revealed there? They have already filmed a lot of the build to what was supposed to be this Champa Gargano mountaintop moment. What becomes of that footage, Adam? Is that ever used again? Is it become this like lost, you know, hidden episode that never aired? What? Where does that go? Do they put it in the vault and close it right away? Well, it depends. I mean, they do have that hidden gem section on WWE Network, so it would be really cool um, if they did like the untold story, the the you know match that never happened. I do think they will utilize it at some point. I don't think it will be anytime soon, obviously. Uh, but, man, it's as excited as we are for this NXT card. And I'm excited. It's going to be great. There's just that cloud still hanging over it, that Gargano Champa. Like, we almost had it. We came You're this right. Close. So that was going to be my follow-up to you. Let me ask you right now. We came this close. And I think the optimistic side of us will just be like, okay, when Tommaso comes back from this, by the way, very serious neck surgery that he had earlier in March, uh, could be a year, could be a year and a half, but we'll just pick up where we left off. But obviously, go back to that debate you and I just had before the Triple H interview about Johnny Gargano's future. A year and a half from now, everything could be different. Heck, Adam, a year and a half from now, NXT could be on regular TV for all we know. Johnny Gargano could be on 205 Live. We have no idea what the next year and a half brings. Will Tommaso Ciampa come back and never be the same? Will he not come back? Will Johnny Gargano have created some new storyline with somebody that changed his career? You don't know. There's no way for you to answer this. But do you have that fear and letdown and heartbreak? Like you said, we came this damn close to the greatest story ever told 2.0. But it didn't happen. And it's not just that. It's the time. It's not like it was four months and they told a great hotshot story in four months. This is two years. We were invested in this. Champa got injured, came back, won the title. You had Alistair Black getting injured. That delayed it. So all these speed bumps kept happening one after another after another. And then the last speed bump is the champion basically breaking his neck uh, or, or you know, uh, hurting his spine or, or whatever the case might be and really delaying this inevitably. I mean uh, – I don't know when it's going to come back. Like you said, I don't know if it's ever going to come back. It may just be one of those things that everyone throws their hands up and says, you know what? We really tried. We tried to do something special and it didn't work. 
Wow. I think we, I say this a lot. We got to stop in Marvel that Triple H took Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. And again, not a comment against their ability, but against the size and the expectations of this tag team DIY, which we already talked about that they were small and made them main event stars and a story so good that it main event to takeovers when the title wasn't even on the line. And these two guys together put out five-star match after five-star match, and Ciampa became the best. Ciampa was like the Genetti of the group, if we're really being honest. And yet Ciampa put off the 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 greatest heel run in 20. He was the best heel of 2018. He was. He was the best heel in wrestling in 2018. I still can't believe it happened. Well, the other, it's not just that. And they did use it in storyline, but it's also real life. They got rejected from WWE. From NXT, they didn't. They were not recruited. They they weren't guys like Adam Cole who they saw what he was doing with the Bullet Club and said, "This is a guy we have to have." You know what I mean? These were guys that tried out, didn't make it, forced their way into some NXT individual matches. I think for one-off paydays, eventually got signed, eventually won title, became a, t- a tag team. You know, we're in that tournament. One, we're in the cruiserweight uh, tournament. One tight, won the tag team titles. I'm stumbling all over myself here. You get where I'm going. And then made this main event run like you're talking about. So their journey, I mean, I said two years. Two years is their, you know, recent storyline. Their journey has been like three or four years of just like going from literally being rejected by NXT to f- putting their foot in the door and being headed for a mountaintop, possibly best climax to an angle since Mega Powers Explode, which by the way, as they're taping this, was 30 years ago today, um, and we just don't get it. But I, we're, we're concentrating a bit too much on this, and it's my fault because I dredged it up again, BC. I am really damn excited for this show, and and this episode of this podcast is about NXT TakeOver New York, what's actually happening, not what could have been, and we are going to get ourselves an amazing show Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern live on the WWE Network. We will, and we talked about what – Probably will happen. We talked about what could have happened. I want to talk to you briefly about what might happen in the future. We know the Fox deal starts this fall for SmackDown. We know we can ask Triple H until we're blue in the face. You know, will, will, will NXT ever be anything more than the third brand? Do you realize what you have here? That in 2018, this was the best thing going in wrestling. And, and, and we get a lot of corporate answers, right? Will stars cross over and go down to NXT? Like, by the way, we just saw with the Boston Hug connection. I want to ask you this. One year from now, 2020, WrestleMania weekend, six to nine months into the Fox relationship, where will the NXT brand be entering WrestleMania 36? Exactly where it is. Um, I do think there is a potential for an FS1 show. It's obviously being talked about enough and rumored enough that even if they haven't had discussions, you would think that, especially if the Fox deal starts out really strong and SmackDown does well, that they would look into bringing additional programming to FS1. And the way it's been explained to me is that that opportunity is there. Just because they have that deal doesn't mean that their relationship is starting on that. I think you and I have both heard that they're going to have some type of Recap show uh, similar to what was it called? NX was it called a uh, UFC Tonight? What was that show called? Yeah, UFC Tonight was sort of a weekly news and interview show. So I think there's the opportunity for that to happen on FS1. I mean, talk about low cost production. There's studios that exist. You throw people in there. You just talk about WWE. And by the way, WWE... Dirt Sheets just said last week. I it came across my timeline that 
uh, Fox and SmackDown are considering a third hour of the show that will air on FS1 and have sort of a post-gamey element mixed into it. I don't know. I don't know. You never know. Well, I mean, yeah, it couldn't be on Fox, obviously, because late local news obviously begins at 10 on Fox as opposed to 11 anywhere else. So that primetime window is smaller. Um, but I do think, yeah, there's an opportunity for that. That's good information. I actually had not heard that. Um, but I do think NXT can wind up on FS1. But I, I've said this to you for the entirety of this conversation. There's two, three huge selling points to WWE Network. One is the pay-per-views. Two is the library. And three is NXT. And if you take NXT off the network, I don't really know what motivation people are going to have when they can sign up for those free months and you know do what they do. Well, I'll um, tell you the motivation WWE might have to do it. It's to look at what happened to the UFC. They had UFC Fight Pass, which is they have now. It's modeled after the WWE Network in a lot of ways. You can buy pay per views on there. They're not they're not free with the same money. There's the fight archives, but ES, that ESPN deal became so lucrative. That now there's everything airs on ESPN and what is UFC Fight Pass? It's basically just the archive at this point and they have other smaller fight promotions on it. But if Fox offers up the kind of money to say, look, we can't get raw and NBC paid out the ass for it. We can't get it, but we can do our best to make Fox the home of WWE for as much as we possibly can, which maybe one day can include a pay-per-view. Maybe it could include certain specials. I feel like if you're WWE, you say, well, if I'm getting this guaranteed money, sorry, NXT fans. You got to watch it on Fox. Well, well, well. Let's let's obviously clarify. If the money's there, they will do it. I mean, they'll that, sell their. Damn we don't have to soul. necessarily. We don't have to necessarily bring up all the instances where that's the case. So yes, if Fox, you know, ponies up, then of course uh, NXT will be on FS1. And the truth is, the more fans watch NXT, the more it gets praised, the greater the chances are of that happening. All right, we'll see. We'll see. Hey, shout out to all the fans of the state of combat, especially the ones who will be in New York for Mania Weekend. Sorry we haven't responded to all of them, but I got a lot of DMs of very nice people saying, no, BC, I don't want your kidney. I want to buy you a drink after TakeOver, after G1 Supercard. Uh, I'll buy you breakfast the next morning in your hotel room with the dirty <laughs> bed sheets. No, no. Take a shower, hit the weights. My point here is, uh, thank you. Thank you. We're going to, I don't know. We got a lot of tweets saying, well, you guys going to have a meetup. Can we do it? I don't know. We're going to try to figure something out. Silver Kings in New York. I'll be there this week coming up in a couple days. We're going to make this happen, but tune in Wednesday. Our regular wrestling show will be in a giant pay-per-view preview WrestleMania 35, and it will be the state of combat. Mount Rushmore unveiling. Stay tuned. Find out if you're in our will. Get fired up. Take a shower, hit the weight room, get a clue. Yes. Anything else, Adam, before we throw? Well, you're neglecting to mention we're going to be face to face Wednesday and Thursday, State of Combat, live taping with BC and the Silver King. When I say live, I mean BC and the Silver King being, being able to see each other in person, not over Skype like we normally do this. Uh, go! For, I know you're looking for the face to face. Did you find it? Nothing face to face. Yeah. Nothing face to face. Nothing face to face. You got it? That's how men do. That's how men do. This, well, this week, everything face to face. But BC, it's been a great show. We have so much more WWE audio in store for these people. As you mentioned, the WrestleMania Ultimate Preview Wednesday, special WrestleMania Interview Edition. Thursday, WrestleMania 35 Instant Analysis. Sunday night slash Monday morning. BC, I'm already tired. I don't know about you. I think it's time to say goodbye. Yeah, I think it is. Don't forget, coming off of Mania, we're going to have a lot more sound from the Hall of Fame, from a lot more. Let's say goodbye. Okay, now say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, now get it.
get out of here. Oh, that's right a little now. rough, Randy. Yeah, yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. And we out.